So prayer week is coming to a close. It's been a good week. We've carved out extra time to devote to prayer. We've prayed in our home groups and in our discipleship DNA groups. We've uh, many fasted and prayed yesterday and came together last night for some more time to pray with fasting and then to break the fast together. God has met us. He's encouraged us. He's strengthened us. He's comforted us, comforted us, and he's responding to us. We've grown in prayer this last week, haven't we? It's been so encouraging. But we don't want to lose the growth in prayer that we've gained this past week. We don't want to lose the momentum that God's given to us spiritually, like that, that one testimony shared. And so I thought it would be helpful to close our prayer week by taking some time tonight to talk about how can we keep this momentum going? How can we keep growing in prayer? How can we keep moving ahead? That's the question. And I thought that one crucial step is let's just make sure we're hearing what Jesus says to us about prayer. What does our Savior say? If he was here tonight looking you face to face, what would he be saying to you about prayer? Lynn just read from Luke 18, 1 through 8. And look again at verse 1. What does Jesus tell us about prayer? Luke 18, 1. Look at what we read. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. We ought always to pray and not lose heart. So picture Jesus right before you, awesome in majesty, tender in love, fully God, fully man, standing in front of you, and he looks you in the eyes and he says, you should always pray. Keep praying. Continue to pray. And don't lose heart. Feel the power of that? That's what our Savior is saying to us. Always pray and don't lose heart. And then Jesus encourages us in that direction with a parable. Now don't miss the point of this parable. Let me recap it for you. A widow is being oppressed by an ungodly judge. So she goes, no, I'm sorry, a widow is being oppressed by someone who's bad. She goes to the ungodly judge. You all get my mistake here? Okay, let's start over again. A widow is being oppressed by someone, and she goes to an ungodly judge to ask for help. And she asks him for help, and he refuses. And she goes back to him and asks for help. And the impression of the parable is she goes back again and again and again to ask for help, and finally, the judge gives in says he will give her help. He brings her justice. He delivers her from the person who is oppressing her. That's the parable. Now, don't miss the point. Jesus' point is not that God is like this ungodly judge. It's not the point he's making in this parable. Look at how he puts the point in verses 7 and 8. This is the punchline. He says, And will not God... Give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, 
he will give justice to them speedily, in contrast to the ungodly judge. He, God, will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus Christ comes back at the end of history, will he find faith on earth? So the question is not, will God answer? God will answer speedily, Jesus says. The question is, when Jesus comes back, will he find us full of faith and praying? That's the question. He will answer speedily. When he comes back, will he find us full of faith and praying? Now, one big question from this parable, though, is what does it mean that God will answer speedily? We all know what the word speed means. But notice something in this parable that makes us have to think more deeply about what that word speedily does mean. We, God's elect, are crying to him day and night. Did you see that? Day and night. Which means we're crying to him day and night, and day and night, and day and night, and day and night. So speedily can't mean that we receive every answer right when we pray, or we wouldn't need to be praying day and night and day and night. Does that make sense? And Jesus is using the, those two phrases. He answers speedily. We pray day and night. He wants us to think, okay, what does speedily mean then? What does it mean? I think it means this. You consider this. See if this makes sense. I think Jesus is saying that the moment we pray, God is already going to work, moving toward us with his answer. And that answer can take one of two different forms. Often, he immediately gives us exactly what we're asking for. We love that, don't we? Thank you, Lord. So encouraging, so helpful. I thought about Acts chapter 12. Peter was in jail. The church gathered in a home to pray that God would deliver him. And as the church was praying, God miraculously and instantly frees Peter from jail, and he walks in on their prayer meeting. Prayer is answered. So there are times when God will immediately answer, giving us exactly what we ask for. And we all understand that that's speedily. Okay, we like that one. What else is this going to mean? Well, there's another meaning, another way God can move toward us as soon as we start praying with his answer. And it's like this. And this is harder for us when he does it this way. But again, this is part of his love. It's part of his mercy toward us. Sometimes God chooses to answer later or chooses not to give us exactly what we're asking for. And this can test our faith. This can be heartbreaking at times. Understand, this can be very difficult to have the Lord do this. But again, it's part of his love. It's part of his compassion for us. But what's happening when we're praying and God chooses to delay or is not going to bring us exactly what we ask for, then even though there's this delay, the moment we start praying, God is moving toward us at that moment. He's, he's already speedily moving toward us with more of his nearness, more of his grace, 
more of his all-satisfying presence, which we will experience as we continue to, to seek his face, to cry out to him day and night, we will end up with even more joy in him, more nearness in him than we would have known had we received exactly what we asked for at the exact time. That's why in his mercy and grace, he chose to do that. How many of us have experienced those kinds of, of prayers? I, I think we, we all have. And those are harder, aren't they? But oh, God will meet us. He will sustain us. So speedily means that the moment we start praying, he's moving toward us with his answer. The very moment we start praying, he's on the move, moving toward us with his answer, whether it's to give us exactly what we're asking for at that moment or whether it's to delay or give us something different than what we're asking for because it's going to bring us, and it's better as Josh shared earlier because it's going to bring us even more of of him as we continue to seek him. So Grace Church, remember what Jesus says about prayer. Lots of scriptures we could have looked at. Let's remember this one as we want to keep growing in prayer. Jesus says to you, always pray and don't lose heart. Feel that. I want to share one more word from Jesus by way of the Apostle James, chapter 4, verse 8. Let this one also keep us growing in prayer. James chapter 4, verse 8. Simple promise. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. He will draw near to you. What does that mean? We know that God is everywhere all the time, right? Theologians use the word omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. But there are also times when God can make his presence, which is everywhere all the time, but there's times where he can make his presence especially real to us so that we feel his love, we savor his glory, we experience his all-satisfying presence, right? There's times when God specially makes his presence real to you. And there's, there's nothing like those times when he does that. God's grace, nearness, glory, presence, he is our greatest joy. And there's really no close second. I mean, the joy, we, we've tasted this, the joy of God's presence pouring into our hearts is like no other joy. This is what he's created us for, the joy of knowing him. And God promises that there will be times when we're drawing near to him. He says he will draw near to us. He will meet us. And you might think, well, how, how much will I experience? I don't know, but it'll be more than if you don't pray. Okay? I promise you that. There's times where it can be just amazing outpouring and times where it's just, just a trickle of living water. But listen, even just a trickle of living water will satisfy your heart far more than everything else in the world or anything else in the world can. Praise God for the trickles. And let's pray for the outpourings. But there will always be living water when we draw near to Him. Let that motivate you. Always pray and don't lose heart and draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Promise. Promise. So that's what Jesus tells us about prayer. I hope that's helpful to you. Now, 
I thought for the rest of our time, I would ask the question and, and seek to answer it partially. How can we keep growing in prayer? Okay, and I've got 14 answers. Now, don't ever put 14 points in your sermon, ever, 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 okay? This is what you, what you hear in seminary. Don't ever do that. So pretend I'm not, but just ask God to give you one or two to walk away with that are especially relevant to you, okay? I thought 14, we've got to hit everybody somehow, some way. I hope these are helpful. I have found them very helpful for me. 14 suggestions to how to keep growing in prayer. First, pray in Jesus' name. Pray in Jesus' name. To pray in Jesus' name doesn't just mean that you close your prayer by saying in Jesus' name. I mean, that's a good thing to do, but it's not just words you say at the end of a prayer. It's a reality that we need to understand and experience. You can not pray in Jesus' name and say in Jesus' name at the end and not pray in Jesus' name, or you can not say it and still be praying in Jesus' name. It's not just words you say, it's a reality. You need to understand and experience. Here's how it works. We've all sinned so much that we cannot come to God in our own names, with our own merits. We can't. God can't accept who I am, Steve Fuller, in my own name and myself. I've sinned too much, and the same is true with all of us. But see, God made a way for people like us, people from every nation, tongue, and tribe, to come to him by sending Jesus, whose death on the cross paid for all the sins of everyone who will put their trust in him. It's beautiful. So it doesn't make any difference how unspiritual you feel tomorrow morning, or it doesn't make any difference how much you've sinned. You can turn to Jesus just as you are and say, I, I, I trust what you promised to do for me. You promised to forgive me through the cross. I trust you to do that. You promised to change me, somebody with a heart as sinful as me. I trust you to do that. You, you promised to satisfy my heart with rivers of living water. I trust you to do that. I trust you, Lord Jesus, as Savior, as Lord, as treasure. And because you're trusting him, you can be completely confident fully assured that the moment you start to pray, no matter what your past has been, no matter what the last 10 minutes have been, because you're trusting Jesus, you're turning from that to, to him, you can be fully assured that the moment you start to pray, God is smiling. God, his arms are open wide. He's, he's leaning forward on his throne. He's listening. He's welcoming you. He loves you because of what Christ has done in paying for your sins. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name, to come in Jesus. I'm clothed with Jesus. Father, look what your son Jesus did. He goes, yes, come. Tell me everything. Pray in Jesus' name. Second, Ask God to help you pray. This is so basic, but it, we so often forget. None of us can live any part of the Christian life by our own strength or discipline or willpower. We all need God's grace to do anything good in us. We all do. So ask God for the grace to pray. Have you done that? Ask God, Father, 
I don't even want to pray right now. Help me want to pray. Help me. Free me from distractions. I get so distracted. I start praying and then I'm thinking about this and that. Free me from distractions. Strengthen my faith to pray. Help me see the importance of prayer. Help me continue in prayer. Help me not lose heart in prayer. So pray for God to help you pray. He will. He will. Third, let me encourage you to describe prayer biblically. Here's what I mean. Lots of people, I'm sure lots of us, uh, it's just kind of what's in our culture now, we talk about sending our thoughts and prayers to people, right? Okay, sending my thoughts and prayers to you or whatever it might be. And I think people mean well when they, when they talk that way, but let me encourage you that there's a much better way, much more biblical way to talk about prayer because if we talk about, I'm gonna send my thoughts and prayers to you, well, where's God in that picture? Prayer is all about God. And so to describe prayer in a way that doesn't mention God is not good. I think you'll find it much more motivating and people you talk to will be much more encouraged if we say, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna call upon God tonight for, for your job situation. I'm gonna seek God's face to see this relationship restored that you're concerned about. I'm gonna go hard after God to ask him to meet you in this area. God, 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 that'll encourage you like, that's what I'm gonna do, and that'll encourage them like, wow, that's what they're gonna do. So let's talk biblically about prayer. We're not sending our thoughts and prayers. You can't send thoughts. I've never been able to, to people. You can't send prayers to people. But you can ask God to send his answers to people. So let's describe prayer biblically. That's, how it's, that's true about prayer. It'll encourage them. It'll motivate you. Let's talk that way. Okay. Fourth, decide when you'll pray. Um, the Bible does not tell us how often or what exact times we should pray. It's up to us. Lots of ways God will lead us to do this. But, but don't say, well, I'm just going to pray when I feel like it, because that's like spontaneous and authentic. Um, if I did that, I, I wouldn't pray as often as I should. Let's put it that way, okay? Daniel set aside three times a day to pray. Remember, Daniel? He set those times aside. Jesus woke up early intentionally to pray. Jesus set aside nights to pray. So I find it, it's helpful. Don't just say, well, I just always pray. I just kind of pray throughout the day. Do that, but I would encourage you to set aside at least one time a day, preferably first thing in the morning, if you can make that work in your schedule, where you set everything else aside. Turn your phone off. It's you, and it's the Scriptures, and it's your God. And you're coming to Him in Jesus' name by the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart, and you're seeking His face. You're reading, and you're you're praying. Such a powerful way to start the day. I, I want to strongly encourage you to do that. And you can set other times during the day as well. And you can continue to pray throughout the day. Do that as well. But set concrete times. You'll find that very helpful. Fifth, I mentioned this last week. Try praying following the acronym ACTS ACTS. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Again, briefly, what is adoration? It's where you worship God. Do you take time when you pray and you're, 
you're worshiping him, you're declaring who he is. God, you are glorious. You have been from the very beginning with no beginning. You've always been with no beginning. You are sovereign over everything. You're full of compassion. The steadfast love of the Lord, Lord, it never ceases. You're rejoicing over us to do us good with all your heart and all your soul. You're declaring to God who he is. And then you're also expressing to God how you, what, what your heart is towards him. I love you, Father. Jesus Christ, you are my treasure. You're my prize. You're my inheritance. I'm longing to be with you forever. You're my hope. Strengthen that in me, but Lord, that's the truth. So we're declaring who God is and we're expressing what's in our hearts towards God. That's adoration. Confession, see, when we worship God, declaring who he is, we will start to see our failures, don't we? We see how we've sinned. And so confess those to the Lord. I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me for my prayerlessness yesterday or for losing my temper last night. Confess these. Forgive me for Jesus' sake. And as you do that, God will bring assurance to you that he has forgiven all of your sins in Christ. You are forgiven. Oh, confession is good for the soul. Pull out Psalm 51 and pray through that to help you confess sin. I find that psalm so incredibly precious in helping me confess my sin and meet the Lord in my guilt and, and receive fresh assurance of forgiveness. Oh, it's beautiful. So spend time in confession. T for thanksgiving. That's where you thank God for specific ways he's blessed you. Thank you, Lord, for my friends. Thank you for my family, my wife, my husband, my kids, my parents. Thank you for my job, for my health. Thank you for our church family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just go through the list. Mm. I mean, God gives us astonishing mercies every day if we have eyes to see it. And it's, it's right and it's fitting and it's, it's good for us. It, it humbles our hearts to say, Lord, thank you for that. That was a gift from you. Mm. S for supplication. This is where we ask God to work in specific ways. And I thought I'm going to unpack this one in a few of more of the points. So, so here we go on supplication. Number six. I think this is really important. Understand what it means to pray in faith. Here's what I mean. S some of us are from a background where you've been taught that what it means to pray in faith means that you are sure that God is going to do exactly what you're asking for. And if you don't believe that, then you don't have faith and you shouldn't be praying. And I think people who teach that mean well and people who practice that mean well, but I would encourage you to maybe do some study on that in the scriptures. I do not think that's what the scriptures teach. And I think that's putting a burden upon yourself and upon uh, a burden we're not supposed to bear. We don't need to bear. See, the problem with thinking that I'm supposed to believe that it's always God's will to do exactly what I'm asking for is that we don't see God doing that in the Bible. Like Paul's thorn in the flesh. Where Paul, this is, we're talking about Paul here, the Apostle Paul, full of faith, prays three times that God would remove a thorn in the flesh from him. And this is an affliction from Satan, this is from the devil. The devil who Jesus has bound the strong man. The devil who Paul has authority over in Christ. All that, right? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. And 
Paul prays three times that God removed the thorn of the flesh, and Jesus speaks to him and says, no, Paul, through this thorn in the flesh, I'm going to give you more of my grace, more of my strength, more of my all-satisfying presence than you would have known had this thorn been removed. Through this hard trial, Paul, I'm going to give you more joy in me than you would have had otherwise. And so Paul says, therefore I boast in my weaknesses. I boast in this thorn in the flesh. Can I get more of Jesus through it? But the point I want to make is Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul is asking three times for God to do something and Jesus comes to him and says, no. He doesn't say it's because of your lack of faith, Paul. He says, I've got something better for you, Paul. So it's not the case that we see God doing that all the time. Does he do that some of the time? Absolutely. And we love that when he does that, but he doesn't do it all the time. So I don't think that the Bible calls us that we're supposed to try to believe that that's what he's going to do all the time because he, he doesn't do that all the time. So what does it mean to pray with faith then? Let me give you two suggestions. One is it means that you believe that God is able to do what you're asking him to do. Do you believe he's able? Well, think about that. He created the heavens and the earth. Okay, he can do this. Yes, he's able. And it also means that you believe that he will give you whatever will give you the greatest joy. You're asking him for one thing, he's going to give you whatever will give you the greatest joy because through it, he's going to give you the greatest display of his glory, the greatest experience of his glory. That's what he does, Romans 8, 28 through 29. So just, for example, when, when God promises to heal all of our diseases, which he does, Psalm 103, he does promise to heal all of our diseases, either in this life or in the life to come. He does heal in this life. We pray for the sick here. We've seen God heal people. We'd love to see a lot more, but we've, we've seen him do that. And we're going to keep praying for the sick but it's not always God's will to heal everyone in this life. Isaiah 53 says, by his wounds we are healed, and that's true. There's healing in the atonement, either in this life or in the life to come. This is good news. Every sickness you have in this life is going to be healed. Everyone, either in this life or in the life to come, but they will all be healed. So I just want to I know some of you are thinking, oh, I don't know, you know, this is not, I, I've heard something else for a long time. Okay, I get it. There's godly people who teach different things on this, but I would encourage you just to search the scriptures. I'm, I'm hoping to lift the burden off of you because I think that'd be awfully hard to try to believe that. So, you may be wondering, what about move, mountain-moving faith? I wrote a, I used to write a blog, and so we're going to try to send a blog post out that I wrote on that exact question. What is the gift of faith? How does that work? Instagram, Facebook, or maybe we'll send it up by email. So read that. Email me your questions. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. But I would encourage you to study what does it mean to pray with faith for something. Okay, seventh. Use promises to strengthen your faith about 
asking. I often will read or quote to myself some promises about what God says he'll do like we studied last week. Everyone who asks receives. Steve, everyone who asks receives. Ask and it will be given to you. There's no prayer wasted. We know that what that means. We explained it last week and this week also. But quote promises, read promises to strengthen your faith before you start to pray. I find that very helpful. Eighth, on the topic of asking, ask God for more of his grace in your life. Do you spend time asking God to make himself more real to you, to strengthen your faith? To, like, for example, take time to ask God to pour his spirit out upon you, Luke eleven thirteen. Do you ask God, God, pour your spirit out upon me? Do you ask him to do that? Or to show you his glory, like Moses prayed in Exodus 33, verse 18. God, show me your glory. Paul prays that, he'll, that God will enlighten the eyes of people's hearts so that they will see and feel the truth of who he is, Ephesians 1.18. Do you pray that? Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see spiritually. Know, feel, re experience the reality of who you are. God, give me joy unspeakable and full of glory, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Help me to exult in hope of the glory of God. The thought of beholding you in heaven, I want to have that be my, my hope. And my hope is in so many other things. Oh, help me to see that and understand that more clearly. So pray for these things and, and watch what God does. Ninth, be sure to ask God about your own needs. I remember a young man in our church back in, in California. And uh, he told me one day, he says, I, I just, I don't pray for my own needs. You don't pray for your own needs? Why not? Well, other people have bigger needs than I do. And God has more important things to do than my, my little needs. And I don't want to be selfish. And it kind of feels selfish to me. And he had a list of reasons. Maybe some of you feel the same way. I wouldn't be surprised. We should never hesitate to pray about our own needs. Never. I mean, God is infinite, okay? He can totally handle your needs and everybody else's needs who's calling out to him. He's not like, I'm running out here, right? Or if, I'm not going to ask him because like, what if this means somebody else is going to get something that they need more? Listen, God has energy to burn, okay? He's infinitely powerful. He's waiting for more people to ask him for help. So ask him. And also, if you're not praying about your needs and you're depending upon yourself for your needs, that doesn't end up well, okay? Don't try that. And there's nothing selfish about asking for your own needs. As long as you're submitted, Lord, you're going to answer however you choose in your wisdom and your love is best. I trust you for that. So don't hesitate to pray for your needs. Remember 1 Peter 5 or 7. We're to cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us. Any anxieties you have that you haven't cast upon the Lord yet, haven't really taken to him and wrestled, just give that over to him, do it. Tenth, do pray for other people's needs. I find people tend to be one of two types. Some people neglect praying for their own needs and others pray only for their own needs. Kind of goes one way or the other. God calls us to do both. And I find this in terms of praying for others, think about praying for people's circumstantial needs versus spiritual needs. So circumstantial needs, just visa needs, employment needs, health needs, relational needs, whatever they might be in their circumstances. Pray for those. Pray for those circumstantial needs. And 
pray for people's spiritual needs. I would encourage you to start to pray using Paul's prayers in, I don't, I don't have a list of them here, but let me just give you one example. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. We can pray that God would strengthen someone's inner person. This is, this is, I'm kind of paraphrasing Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. That God would strengthen somebody's inner person so that they would experience Christ dwelling in their hearts through faith. And that they would be rooted and grounded in Christ's love. And be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth of Christ's love and the length of Christ's love and the height of Christ's love and the depth of Christ's love and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that they can be filled up to all the fullness of God. That's how Paul prays for people, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Think of what would happen, Grace Church, if we all prayed for each other that way every day or every week. Wow! outpouring that we can be filled all the, what does it mean to be filled all the fullness of god i don't know but i want to i want to find out pray for me i'll pray for you let's pray for each other ephesians 3 14 through 21 pray for others circumstantial and spiritual needs 11 pray by name for those who have not yet seen who jesus is i hope we all have friends who are not yet trusting Jesus, that we're befriending and loving and, and seeking to encourage towards Christ. If not, pray and ask God to help you. Um, just for the sake of love. We want to love people. We want to introduce people to the Savior. We want to help people. And then when, you, when God opens those doors, pray for them by name. Lord, open this person's eyes. Set them free from Satan's blinding power, 2 Corinthians 4. Take out their hearts of stone. Give them hearts of flesh, Ezekiel 36. That's what he's done, done to all of us. Transfer them out of the kingdom of, your, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved son, Colossians chapter 1. Pray that God will reveal himself to them, give them faith, change their hearts, adopt them into his family, save them, forgive them. Beautiful. Twelfth, I find it helpful to create a prayer schedule See if this makes sense. List all the people and the needs and the organizations, countries that you want to be praying for and then think through what, what days you'll pray for them. So like every day, pray for those who are closest to you, your family, right? Immediate, see, people you're praying for every day, situations you're praying for every day. And then maybe Monday you'll pray for this country and, and this you know, person who lives somewhere else maybe or on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but, but that way you're, you're covering your bases. And you can make change. I'm trying to change mine right now. i got to get a little more organized. But I would encourage you to think about that. Rather than just when something comes to your mind, because I just tend to forget. But it's so helpful to have a prayer schedule. So consider that. Thirteenth, plan days to fast and pray. Remember, Jesus didn't say, um, if you fast. He said, when you fast. When. When. The Bible doesn't tell us how often. It's between you and the Lord. I know some here have a rhythm of, of trying to fast and pray one day a week, and that, that seems good. And again, if you, if you want to do that and you aren't able to do it one day, that's all right. Next week will come, okay? But do make fasting and prayer in some way part of your rhythm. So you're fasting and praying for yourself. God, meet me. Pour out your spirit upon me. Guard me from the evil one. Draw me to Christ strongly, more strongly. You're praying for your family, your wife, your kids, your husband, your friends, your close friends. 
You're praying for the church. You're praying for the city. You're praying for this country. You're praying for this region. Oh, church, fast and pray. Fourteenth, we made it, okay? Last, when you feel far from God, persevere in prayer. Here's an illustration I've used before. I just wanted to share it one more time here. David Brainerd was a missionary to the American Indians in the 1700s. At one point, when he was in his 20s, he was feeling very far from God, and he was, he was trying to pray. But you know how it is when you're feeling far from God and you're trying to pray, it's hard. Here's what he wrote in his journal. Here's what happened. He said, I had been trying to pray for half an hour, but felt very unmotivated. I was feeling weak and dull, but I kept praying. And then unspeakable glory seemed to open to my soul. My soul rejoiced with joy unspeakable in God. Such a glorious God. My heart was rejoicing that this glorious God was God, who ruled over everything and would do so forever. I was so captivated by His excellency, greatness, and other perfections that I was overwhelmed with joy and peace and worship until dark. Now think of what he would have missed if he would have thought, oh, this just isn't working praying today. I think I'll try tomorrow. You know, why bother? This is just going to be a waste of time. Think of what he would have missed. Now, God's not always going to meet us in that way. Okay, no promises of that exact level, but God will always meet us in some way. Always. No prayer is ever wasted. Even if you pray for 30 minutes and you're not feeling anything, it is not wasted. God in his love and tenderness is, he does sometimes, doesn't he withhold some outpourings? Oh, because he's, he's preparing us for an even greater move, an even greater outpouring. His timing is flawless. His timing is perfect. He will sustain us with the grace and the comfort and everything that we need to the, to the degree, the amount that we need. He will always do that. No prayer is ever wasted, Grace Church. So don't let dullness or feeling far from God make you give up. It's been a good week of prayer, Grace Church. God's given us growth in prayer. We've got some momentum in prayer. Let's continue growing in prayer. Let's stand. I'll pray for us. We do thank you as a church family for what you did this last week. You helped us. You met us. You responded to us through Christ, and we thank you. Lord, keep us growing in prayer. Keep Jesus' words ringing in our minds. Always pray and do not lose heart. And draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Grant that, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
If the Khalifa City home group could come on up, stand at the far right-hand corner to be ready to pray for people after the service, we'd appreciate that very much. And if you need prayer tonight for any reason, we would be honored to pray for you. If this is a night when you want to put your trust in Jesus Christ and receive his forgiveness and be reconciled to the Father, adopted into his family, know his love, we would love to pray for you about that or any need that you have for healing, for work, visa issues, whatever it might be. We'd love to pray for you, so don't hesitate. And also, if you are here from a different faith background tonight, thank you for coming. Uh, we really appreciate you being here, and we want to do whatever we can to help you learn who Jesus Christ is. So don't leave without asking your questions. You can talk to me, Josh, the people around you, folks over here to pray. We would love to open up the scriptures, help you learn more about Jesus, answer your questions, or find somebody who can't answer your questions, or give me a week and I'll find, find the answer to your questions. Um, we want to help you in any way we can, so don't hesitate. We pray this benediction over us. Grace Church, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.